The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 12. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. The word of the Lord. find it amazing that a person can run for 26 miles in a row without stopping, without dying? Because I do. That skill set, that ability is so far beyond where I am that I just have to step back and, and just be amazed. I have a lot of respect for a marathon runner. And if I'm being real honest, it's not just 26 miles that earns my respect. I have respect for someone that can travel, that can run 2.6 miles without stopping. The green scooters, the lime scooters have made their way into downtown. And as of last week, another couple of companies have deposited their scooters on the sidewalk. And that's great news for a person like me. Because now I don't even have to walk 2.6 miles. 
I can just scoot from place to place, getting there efficiently without exerting much effort and looking pretty cool in the process. Here's the thing with me and running. It's not very deep or philosophical. It's just kind of what it is. Running hurts. And I know that's not a very good excuse. And I know that I'm missing out on health benefits that I would experience if I were to run. I know I'd be thinner if I ran more regularly. I know I'd have more energy. I know I'd be in better shape. People who run a morning jog will, will tell you that they have energy that lasts them throughout the whole day. I've even spoken to some people who run every day and they tell me that their day feels incomplete and it feels awkward if they don't run. That's kind of the opposite of where I am. I know that as a person pushes themselves, they gain more stamina and endurance and that it doesn't hurt as badly the next time, and that they can run for farther. The more we exert ourselves, the longer we can go, and the better shape we get in. I, I know all these things. But I bet I'm not the only one in this room that dodges the pain of running. But just because there are a couple of people, or maybe more than a couple in that boat, doesn't make it a good excuse. There's so much left on the table. There's so much to be missed if a person doesn't run. I wish that I weren't the wuss that I am. I wish that I were more driven because it's true what they say. No pain, no gain. The marathon runner experiences the gains that they experience. They get to the place where they are because they endure the pain that running entails. They don't just get out of bed one day and turn into a marathon runner, but it's through effort and energy and putting forth the work and going through the pain that they get to where they are, that they get to be better and better and better each day. That's how they find that running 26 miles isn't the insurmountable task that it seems to be to me and maybe to many of you. It's through the pain that they experience the gain. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that life is like running a race. That's why he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He includes himself as a runner in the race. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He admits that he's one that's running too, that he's running through the race. But he bids us to do so with perseverance. He bids us to have endurance as we run, and that doesn't just come to us naturally. We don't just have that the day that we're born. It comes through experience. It comes through training. The more we run, the more experience we have in life, the more hardships we endure, the the greater our tolerance for them, the greater our endurance, the easier it is to run. There's a spiritually lazy person that lives inside of each and every one of us. 
a spiritually lazy person who wants life to be easy, who wants everything to go our way, who wants to have life with no cares and no concerns. But that's not the race that God has marked out for us. That's not the race that God has marked out for us, not because he's unfair or unjust or or unloving. That's not the race that's marked out for us because that's not what's best for us. If a bed of roses life was what was best for us, that's what God would give, but he hasn't, so we know that it can't be what's best. We know that God's way is always best. And so the trials and the hardships and the persecutions that come have a purpose. God has a reason for allowing them to come. God knows that it's true too. No pain, no gain. Endure hardship as discipline, the Bible writer says. God is treating you as his children. We can embrace the hardships that come into our lives. We can even rejoice in them because they remind us of the relationship that we have with God and that God has with us. Discipline is really a word that means to disciple. God allows these hardships to come into our life as a way of discipling us, as a way of molding us to be the faithful follower that he wants us to be. God knows no pain, no gain. If we didn't have hardship, if we didn't have trials, where would we be? Would we be a disciple? Would we faithfully follow God if we had the bed of roses life? Or would we grow accustomed to the comforts and pat ourselves on the back for the life that we've put ourselves in? The Lord disciplines the one he loves. When hardships and trials come our way with the eyes of faith, we can trust that God is disciplining us. God is allowing those hardships to come because he loves us. A father who loves His child disciplines his child. He doesn't try to make life easy. He doesn't bend his will in every way and in every direction so that the child will never experience pain, but he disciplines the one he loves. God allows hardships to come to us because he loves us, because he knows no pain, no gain, because he wants us to be better on the other side. Have you ever seen a marathon runner lose his race? because a shoelace came untied? I'm guessing you haven't, but I'll pause for hands. No? I'm guessing you haven't seen a marathon runner lose a race because of a shoelace coming untied for a couple of reasons. One, because I know that you use your time more wisely than to watch marathons on TV. But two, because a marathon runner is meticulous about his equipment, meticulous about the clothing that he wears, he or she. They're going to make sure to wear clothes that aren't going to stick, but rather will glide. They're going to make sure to have socks and shoes that are the proper shoes to wear and, and that are worn properly so they don't give blisters, so they don't slow you down as you're running for so long on your feet, and you better believe a marathon runner's shoelaces are double, triple, quadruple knotted because they can't afford the consequences of what could happen if a shoelace comes untied. They can't afford the 20 seconds it would take to get out of the flow of traffic and bend over to tie their shoes, and it's probably even going to be worse. They could trip and fall. They could break an arm or a leg or get a concussion, a, 
Something as simple as an untied shoelace could be the end of a race for a marathon runner. Why is it that we, who are running a far more important race than the Boston Marathon, why is it that we are not as meticulous about the things that could entangle us? Why is it that we don't care so much about what might trip us up as we run through life? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles That seems pretty basic, doesn't it? Doesn't that seem like Bible 101? Just go ahead and get rid of the sin. Just put the sin aside, but we don't. We think we can run life with those entanglements and with those things that might weigh us down. We think we can just run the race with them. We believe the lie that if our culture says that it's okay, then it must be Okay, we live our lives thinking that if everyone else is doing it, then I'm going to do it too. God can't be mad if I'm just going along with what everyone else is doing. We lie to ourselves and we silence a guilty conscience that tells us when we're doing something wrong and we just get used to those pet sins. And instead of casting sin aside, instead of getting rid of the sin that so easily entangles, we allow it to run right next to us. And inevitably, it causes us to trip and to fall. If we want to succeed in life, if we want to accomplish our goal, if we want to reach the finish line, we must throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's just this one little problem. We can't do that. We can't keep the sin from entangling our legs. We can't keep the burden and weight of our failures from weighing us down. We can't cast them off as easy as it sounds. If we want any hope of reaching the finish line, we have to do it, but we can't. For us, if we're alone, if we're running this race alone, the finish line of heaven and our chances of reaching it, having run a race, a perfect race the way God demands, it's even more insurmountable than the finish line of a marathon looks to a person like me or many of you. Our God knows how powerless we are to cast off the sin from our lives. He knows just how easily, how easily our sin entangles. He knows that we couldn't possibly run the race the way that he demands, and so he came and stepped in. He came to our aid and ran that race in our place. He takes the sin that entangles our legs and allowed them to bind him instead. He takes the weight and the burden of our failures and he carried those burdens all the way to the cross. He opens our eyes and helps us to see him as the one who sets us free. He gives us faith in our hearts to believe that Christ Jesus has won the race for us, that he has run the way that God demanded that he has fulfilled the law in our place. He's been our substitute and Savior. Jesus knew the truth, no pain, no gain. So he was willing to endure the pain of the cross, the pain of paying the price of sin, the pain of rejection from the world and from God himself. He was willing to experience that pain so that you 
and that I could be his gain and that we would be gained for heaven forever. The writer says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus scorned the shame of the cross. He scoffed at the idea that something like crucifixion would be enough to keep him from accomplishing his goal. That the devil and his temptations would be luring enough to cause him to run off course and disqualify himself from the race. No way. No way would that work. No way would Jesus fall for the devil's lies. No way would he succumb to selfishness the way we so easily do. But Jesus pressed on toward the goal. Jesus pressed on and lived that perfect life. Jesus pressed on and won the race because that was the only way that you and I would be gained for everlasting life. He endured the pain so that we could have the gain. He ran the race and won the victory so that he could share that victory with us. And then having crossed the finish line, having accomplished his goal, he sat down at the right hand of God. He rose from the dead on the third day on Easter morn and ascended into heaven and sits there at God's right hand. He stands at the finish line and prepares that place where we will one day cross from life into death, where our race will be over and we will be there to be embraced by Jesus, where he will say, well done, well run, good and faithful servant. Our God rules on high and protects and defends us. He continues to shower us with his love and with his grace. And we keep running until that day that the race marked out for us is done, until that day that God has destined for us to cross the finish line, we keep on running. We keep on pressing on. We keep on experiencing and embracing and rejoicing in God's training for our lives. We know that he doesn't leave us to run alone. We know that he continues to feed us with word and sacrament. He gives us the refreshing living water and the hope and confidence of knowing that the race has already been completed and that he waits for us on the other side. Until that day, hardships are going to come. It's a fact of life. God promises that they will come, but he's working his goodwill and purpose through them. The writer says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. By enduring the Lord's discipling, by enduring the hardships that he allows, that he sees fit to come into our lives, we're growing in that relationship with him. He causes us to trust in him. He, he gives us this harvest of righteousness and strengthens us as we run the race. Perhaps the hardship that comes our way comes in the form of opposition from others. If it does, that puts you in pretty good company. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Persecutions, hardships, trials, they all will come our way. They came Jesus' way too, and Jesus overcame. And more than overcame, Jesus won the victory. He conquered them all and leaves them powerless to touch us, leaves them powerless to destroy our faith, leaves them powerless to derail us from our race and cause us to run off. Of course, Jesus defeated them. He won that victory, and now he strengthens us 
and keeps us with our goal in mind and keeps us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. My friends, keep on running. Keep on running, being uplifted and encouraged by Jesus. Embrace the hardships that come and recognize God's almighty plan through them. Recognize that he's striving to make you stronger on the other side. Remember, no pain, no gain, and fix your eyes on Jesus who embraced the pain for you so that you could gain everlasting life, so that you could gain the hope of a perfect existence with a glorified body, so that you could gain the joy of a reunion in heaven, a glorious reunion with the saints of all time. Keep on running. Keep pressing on. My friends, live fight, run with the faith and confidence of the Apostle Paul who said in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. With a glorious gain Like that, who cares about the pain? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.